0: And hey yo, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, blaze a hot tritic. sound like
1: heaven. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Come on, renegades, come and get, get some. Up. Up. Wow, oh, you know oh, it oh. is?
2: You go, server. That was good. That come was good. On, man. You man.
1: Know I do <laughs> <To> the red <laughs> hey. man. That's uh. Fedman. Fedman. <laughs> or, or Steadman. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Oprah. I mean Oprah. Anyway, anyway, renegade, renegade culture. culture. Oh, look at we matching and stuff oh, like that. Oh, oh, right. right. Matching up. Matching up. I don't know. You don't know about that? <laughs> yeah. What's going on, brother? Well, black man, how you feeling? You hey man, through? I feel like I'm live and direct renegade culture podcast. Shoot, what You are gonna, gonna hit like? the name
2: right? Cause earlier today we was on that other podcast. Yeah, that I that be messing show. up, man. Yeah. Hey, it's too much.
1: I'm trying. Whoever give me the check first, I got. I got shout out You know how we do around these parts. And who are you, my man? I'm the mighty Kalani. And I'm black and I'm proud, not Ooh. like James Brown, but like Mukasa Dada. Okay. You already oh, gave oh, away the guest. Oh, we do have
2: a guest, special guest. Oh no, let's continue with the intro. I'm Kamal K. Franklin, and behind us we got the
1: ear doctor. Okay, and of course, transmitting live, I Minister Server, along with. Got
3: back in the yeah,
1: building. Yeah. Right. I oh, was absent last
2: week. I uh, know, I see he came back today in this tidy whitey t-shirt, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, oh man, I thought, oh, my man showing oh. his muscle. Okay, okay, oh. Song.
1: And he got the young shorts on. We definitely <laughs> want Corrado to see Hey, I didn't even <laughs> know that was a t shirt that was so tight. I thought I thought my man chess was ashy. <laughs> it's all good, though. We in a place of the beats. He's like, nah, I'm <laughs> gonna put take the titties out tonight. You know what I'm saying? Hey, I was like, all right, you do your thing, man. Word. <laughs> do that to yourself, brother. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. A lot going on, as always. As always, you what? know what I'm saying? We in the we in the, in the belly of the beast. Yep, AKA yep, AKA yep. Atlanta, aka Rap Brown Georgia. Mm-hmm. You know what right. I mean? And the police is still the beast. And, uh, you know, so is the mayor, the governor. That's right. You know what I mean? Speaking of which, what happened earlier? Oh, week? yes. Speaking of which, uh, as we know, we broadcast live from right down the street where my man Rayshard Brooks was gunned down about a mile away or not even a mile. Right, you man. know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, we got the unfortunate news. Uh, those of y'all that don't remember Rayshard Brooks, we remember this past summer, the brother fell asleep in the Wendy's driveway, drive through mm-hmm. And uh, the Wendy's employee... Employees decided that they wanted to call Popo because the man was sleeping in the driveway. Mm-hmm. Police come, long story short, they rap, for the, rap with him for about 29, 30 minutes, uh, interrogating him and harassing him and all that type of stuff, just like pigs do. That's right. right. And uh, they decide they want to take my man to jail. Dude like, look here, man, nobody ain't, got, ain't nobody got no time for that. Mm-hmm. We ain't trying to go to jail. Mm-hmm. So he wrestling to get him up off him. And while he wrestling him, he tossing him. Uh, one of the pigs pull out a, a taser Yep, yep. and um, he decided, look, I ain't trying to get shocked or electrocuted today. So he snatched the joint and he run, forward, run for the gold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pig decides to shoot him in the back twice. In the back. I mean, anyway, this is uh, this pig by the name of Garrett Roth. Yeah, yeah. Both of these guys are 27. You know what I'm saying? Garrett Roth uh, was a police officer. Your mayor, Keisha. Fired him. Decides to go ahead and fire him. She said, look, you about to take dude out. Yeah. Within 24 hours, she fired him. Now just today or yesterday yeah yesterday. the uh civil service board here in atlanta decides that they're going to reinstate this man mm-hmm. because of the fact that they felt that there was no due process mm. not that mm-hmm. my man ray sharp brooks got any due okay. process That's right you yeah. know what i'm saying but this cracker decided that he was going to gun this black man down and the city said that they didn't see anything wrong with it so they reinstated his situation right. and something that you pointed out before
2: you know georgia
1: is an at-will state. You can get fired for anything in
2: Georgia. Any and everything. But apparently, if you shoot a black man in the back, you yeah. can get your job back, right? Quickly. So this due process argument is something that they use to try to, he's getting his back pay. Um, he's going to be able to, to, to be on the force, even though they won't let him carry a gun, thankfully. but for this now. All, for now. Yes. But this all shows how the system is fixed to protect its own, to look out for its own. The police union is behind this. The city of Atlanta, even though it protested, obviously he's not doing enough so you know what it's it's obvious that this is this the 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 normal situation for these cops here in atlanta here in the united states uh it's about intimidation it's about control and it's about abuse and it's about oppressing black people and that's the rule of the
1: day no doubt and as always as we say in the cities and the place where I come from, mm. fuck the police and their corporate sponsors. True that. Anyway. And along the same line, there's another story,
2: more about sort of administration trying to kill its citizens or people that lives in the country. Is apparently
1: Alabama, was it? No, South Carolina. South Carolina. Mm. Okay, happened? so in South Carolina, they they're saying that there's a, a shortage of lethal injection drugs. Mm. You know what wow. I mean? So they decided to put on the books that they want. I mean they just had a little vote. Mm. And um I forget the numbers, I believe it's like uh sixty six to, to forty-three. Yeah. A bill was approved saying that oh. they can uh reinstate the firing squad. Mm. Hmm. Can you imagine that? This, is, could, this is 2021. Yo, but this is, is old 2020? Mexico. Back yeah. in the day when this, is this is old America. 2021. Wow. This is yes. old America.
2: They're they going to put somebody up against the wall. That's right. Have a row of folks with guns pointed and shoot somebody until they dead.
1: So they have you have an this option. This is what
2: justice is considered.
1: But wow. they give you an option. They saying you could either be electrocuted. Uh, the electric chair, we've they, they been through, we that was barbaric. Mm-hmm. You can either be electrocuted or shot up by the firing squad. As I was talking to the brothers a little bit earlier, you know what I'm saying, the firing squad has already been uh, uh, on the books because of the fact the police gun us down in the streets every day. Wow. So they already had the firing squad, but at least now they're going to straight up tell you, look, you have a choice. Do you want to be electrocuted or do you want to stand in front of the firing squad? Mm-hmm. Any brothers and sisters I know, if you got to take it, take, go out hard. Go ahead and let them hit you with that firing squad so we can show America and the rest of the world just how barbaric these racist bastards yeah. are. Wow. America is like one of five nations around the world that still has the
2: death penalty. Right. Mm. All their sort of Western counterparts, uh, at the very least, have banned the death penalty, some of them decades ago. Absolutely. So we still live, like you said, like in this barbaric, white supremacist state where they think everything is the old west the right to kill you, the right to to enslave you, the right to lock you up, all that is always at play in America because
1: they can't get over their white supremacy because white supremacy is how they rule the day. Also, to add on to that, we got to remember that uh, America is also 5% of the world population, yet houses 25% of all prisoners in the world. Mm-hmm. That's right. Just what I said. 5% of the world population, but a quarter of the world prisoners reside right here in these gulags in the United States. Wow. They're they going to bring back the stone and the death and the guillotine in a minute. Okay. <laughs> That'll be next. That'll be next. Wow. So the
2: last story we got that's happening around the world is at the Tokyo Olympics. Yes. Uh, and the Olympic uh, Commission, International Olympic Commission. Committee. Committee has decided to ban uh, Black Lives Matter apparel, which is a further sort of banning of all political statements, uh, wear, um, uh, uh, actions, and so forth. This is obviously something that the Olympics has always done. As they tried to depoliticize what's happening around the world, Um, and we remember 1968, famous Black Fist up in the air, and those Mm -hmm. folks got their medals taken
1: away. So you know,
2: fuck the Olympics,
1: right? (laughs) Pretty Uh, much, fuck fuck the definitely fuck the Uh Olympics. And I want to point out as well that the United States, these racist snake bastards (laughs) that they are, they blaming it on Tokyo. Now I just want y'all to know. I know some folks in Tokyo and they don't give a fuck about the English language. So most of them don't even read English. So they ain't going to be like, Black Lives Matter, old as that. Right. You know what I'm saying? They don't want to be embarrassed in front of the world. Exactly. So they say, okay, blame it on the folks in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. If that shit, if the Olympics would have been held in Pluto and the Air Doctor would have been doing the weather from there, mm-hmm. they still would have <laughs> said that Pluto that's right. Ban, ban Black Lives ban. Matter. Yeah. But exactly. on the flip side, too, fuck Black Lives Matter, too, because we know the real deal on them, too. That's a whole other story. Right. But anyway, moving so, right along. So we got a great show tonight. Okay. And we got some great
2: contributors, as always, from Patreon. Let's okay. read off who those folks are that gave us some loot this week.
1: Okay. Yo, so we're going to start off with a big shout-out to Hermski. All right. Big okay. up to Daniel Mays. Big up to Tim Ryan. And big up to Trent W. Big up to Shanette. Big up to Geraldo Maza. Big up to Amato A. Big up to Shirley F. Grisby. Big up to Yah For Y. All
3: right.
2: Wait a minute, Dan. Wait a
1: minute. We got got them all. We got them all. all, I'm confused. If we said your name wrong, we didn't. We said it right. right. You heard it wrong. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> that was
2: the best I've ever heard so I know I'm like man I'm oh, like coordinate y'all fucking <laughs> the up the
1: segment y'all fucking up the segment let's catch some yeah, Jersey give it up for our brothers from Jersey Hey, right. right.
0: right. and from HBCU. hold on brother from HBCU. Sam in the building oh. Sam in the building
1: yeah well, well our, our guest that we're gonna have on tonight I remember we was protesting one in one HBCU, HBCU down here in Atlanta because they disrespected him and attacked him uh, some years ago and uh, dislocated his shoulder. Mm. You know what I'm saying? He's a, he's an elder, both of his shoulders. So, you know what I'm saying? So, we're going to talk about that when we come back with our guest of the evening. a Our is? main man. His name again? This brother right here. He's the brother who came out with the slogan, Black, Black Power. Power. You right. know what I mean? So, many folks have uh, attributed... That particular uh, claim to Stokely Carmichael, uh, better known to us as Kwame Torre, mm-hmm. but this was uh, one of his main men, and this is the brother who actually came up with the slogan itself. Yes. We're gonna have on tonight, Ucasa Dada, formerly known as Willie Ricks who was, uh, I believe, Field Secretary at SNCC, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So anyway. And a musical guest. Our yes. musical
2: guest is going to be Red Fidel. Yeah, right? yeah. Okay, oh, here. Red Fidel. Turn it on,
1: turn it out, Fidel. right there.
2: OK. So we come right back on Renegade Coaches. We
0: are Black
1: <laughs> Renegade coaches in the building. Yeah, we back on the air. OK. We got, a, got a, a legend with us tonight, yes. we like we always do right about this time. We had to go uh, reach back and, and reach forward, you know what I'm saying, to one of the OGs. So we call our main man, Baba Mukasa Dada. What's happening, Baba? Revolution. Man, revolution what it's all about, man. We yes, ain't sir. seen a few minutes. What you been up to?
0: Trying to organize our people, trying to convince people that the United States is the worst uh, uh, monster on the face of the earth that <laughs> need to be destroyed.
1: Okay, oh, all right. Nice. See. Keeping that, keeping them politics <laughs> alive and well. Yeah, no doubt gets no better than that. For for the viewers, because of the fact that you know, one thing we do here at Renegade Culture, we like to bring in uh, a little bit of everybody. So we had everybody here from uh, Sekou Odinga to uh Jalil, Jalil Monta the last poets, Ruba Ben Wahad, We had a little bit of everybody on here, so we felt like it was only right for us to go back and, and holler at our folks from SNCC because we think that SNCC is an underestimated and underrated organization, mm-hmm. so um, we know that you was the, the field secretary of SNCC. Is that correct? Yeah,
0: I was. I was uh, organizer.
1: No doubt. No doubt. Can you tell the people, man, what, what 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 is SNCC for the for the for the new cats on the block? Uh, SNCC was the youth movement
0: of uh, the civil rights movement, and that uh, in 1961 uh, we got organized and we uh, send young people out to organize in rural areas and on college campuses to create struggle, rebellion, protest, sit-ins, and, uh, and it was just a, a movement. We even got involved in voter registration. So I worked as, under John Lewis. I was his general, I was, he was the chairman, I was Stoke Carmichael's general, I was Rep. Brown's general, and also uh, Marion Barry's general and Jim Foreman. So I was an organizer and and I could take people to a level that they can do.
2: Right. Now you always, was SNCC always a little bit more militant, let's say, because it was younger than the general civil rights movement or did it grow into those uh, politics? How do you feel about that?
0: Well, Ella Baker warned us that when we met in North Carolina and showed form SNCC, Martin, Martin, Martin King, Dr. Martin King, wanted us to be uh, his youth group, but she told us that these guys are preachers and y'all young people need your own autonomy and you need your own organization. So we formed the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee and we went out to organize and we definitely was more aggressive and more militant uh, and more of organizers than any uh, other organization. That includes SCLC, NAACP, CORE, and any other group.
1: Now, now, it, it's, it's you you mentioned some people in passing, you know, just just kind of like willy nilly. You you said uh, you mentioned Stokely, you mentioned Marion Berry, you mentioned H. Uh, Rap Brown. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But there were some other folks as well. I know John Lewis was a part of
0: SNCC. John Lewis, Jim Foreman, Fannie Lou Hamer, Ella Baker, and a host of other people that was equal to them or even stronger and better organizers.
1: Now, Kathleen Cleaver worked with y'all as well, Kathleen
0: right? Cleaver was my secretary.
1: Kathleen Cleaver was your secretary. Yeah. Kathleen Cleaver from the Black Panther uh, Party was a secretary for Mukasa Dada.
0: Yeah, she, matter of fact, she met Eldridge Cleaver and the first group, when we said Black Power and walked through Mississippi for 250 miles fighting and being bombed and, and what have you, uh, the first, and we called for Black Power, and the first students, the first group, to say we endorse Black Power and to have a Black Power conference was a student at Fish University in Tennessee State. And we went there for that conference. And Kathleen, all of us went there. Eldridge Cleaver was the first place he came to after he got out of jail. He came there. And uh, when he got there, uh, we had the conference. But in the middle of the conference, police shot a young man in the back of the head, hmm. and the bullet came out of the nose, so we turned the conference out, and the kids that endorsed black power, we went out in the streets with the people that was rebelling, and they were throwing bricks and balls and fire bombs, and the kids in the conference who would call for black power, they uh, were SNCC youth group, uh, college group, and they were out there first. They were telling the people, no, don't throw bricks. This is not how we do it, Be be nonviolent. And I went out there, and I fired all of them. And, <laughs> and then uh, all the people that were throwing fire bombs and bricks, I said, now you're a SNCC. And we continue to throw bricks and balls. But the first rebellion, uh, Black Power Rebellion, uh, to go up, or the first student rebellion to go up, was at Fish University in Tennessee State.
2: Mm. Now, we remember June 16, 1966, is given as the date that the, the slogan sort of came alive in terms of, like, you guys was on the march in Mississippi after James Meredith was shot. Um, and you know the, the, the famous story being told, of course, is that uh, I, uh, at the time Stokely Carmichael was walking with Dr. King, you were sent to sort of pump up the crowd and see whether or not the crowd was ready to give the call and response to black power. You came back and reported to Stokely like they're ready, they're ready. And Stokely said, like, oh, you're a little too fired up. I mean, that's, that's not overestimate where the crowd is. And as it turned out, when the chant was given, everybody was so primed to, to, to shout back and be like, you know, no more civil rights, we want black power. So what, what do you think was happening during that time period that made people sort of this, this ready, so ready for that, that kind of switch from this sort of traditional civil rights approach, nonviolent approach to shouting, we want power?
0: Because we had went through Mississippi, at that time we had to go in the back door, say yes to all white people, and we were being assassinated uh, like Marga Evans, uh, three civil rights workers, Sammy mm-hmm. Young Jr. in Tuskegee, Alabama, who worked with SNCC, went into a bathroom to say a white, white man shot him in the head with a shotgun. The murder of uh, 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 many other SNCC people burned down churches, mm-hmm. uh, uh, burned down schools, and they used terrorism against the people, and they have been doing that for the last 100, 200 years. So people were in slavery, basically, but uh, we built, we uh, fought for the right to vote. They beat Fannie Lou Hamer, and but we built the SNCC. Whatever it would go, it would start organizations, and that, and then create leadership, and then we would be the advisors. And that was the different than Dr. King and SNCC. We were organized, and we create local leadership where the preachers come in. And they saw themselves as the leader, mm-hmm. so we had a different style of organizing, and that. Uh, so when we organized Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party and many other local group, we had organized the Black Panther Party in Lowndes County, Alabama, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where we picked up guns. So people going through all this kind of terrorism, uh, they had recently beat John Lewis and all the people, uh, the chairman stick at that time, beat them on the bridge, ran horses over them. They had killed a couple of people in Lowndes County, Alabama, where we were organizing. When the people tried to register to vote, they put them out off the reservation and put them, tried to run them out the county. Mm-hmm. But we got tents and built tent cities. They would come down there and shoot in the tents. And we got guns and when they would come to shoot in the tents, we started shooting back. So we began to be more militant. Mm-hmm. But then we chose the Black Panther for our symbol. That's where we started the Black Panther Party in Lowndes County, Alabama. And we chose the Black Panther for our symbol, for our party, mm-hmm. the Lowndes County Freedom Organization. Um, the white people and the other people started saying, this is just a terrorist group. They, they're militant. They got a Black Panther and what have you. Why would you choose a Black Panther? A uh, uh, Black Panther? We said, food because Black Panther's black. And we said, we're proud of the Black Panthers. And we picked up guns. And when they would come to shoot at us, we would shoot back. We had gun battles where even white people got killed. And that uh, they shot down Jonathan Daniel. That's the, Kind of where they killed Viola Luzo mm-hmm. and uh, they killed some other people in Selma so we were facing a state of war and that uh, so when we went into Mississippi and they passed the voters rights bill uh, we had gone through so much terrorism that James Merritt, who had went to integrate the University of Mississippi mm-hmm. he had came out with a sign saying march against fear mm-hmm. and telling the people don't have no fear and when he Went out, they shot him in the back, mm-hmm. and we shot him in the back. Dr. King, Floyd McKissick, uh, Stokely, and Deacons for Defense, who we helped organize in Bogalusa, Louisiana, met in Memphis, Tennessee at the Lorraine Motel, the same hotel Martin died in, mm-hmm. uh, to carry the march on. We started carrying the march on. It was a lot of violence that we met uh, and, and uh, what have you, but we called for black power, we started saying, we need black power. We need power. And I was explaining to the people that we had power, we wouldn't be sharecropping, working all year, and then don't get paid to tell us we owe them money. We would have decent schools. We wouldn't be, we'd have a real bathroom. We wouldn't have all these outhouses. We would have, wouldn't live in all these shacks. They wouldn't be beating us, killing us like they're doing. And that we need black power. Mm-hmm. And that when we started talking about black power, we went through Mississippi. And as we talked about black power, we got more militant. And matter of fact, uh, I remember once the sheriff said we're going to use the courthouse to have our rallies on. And the sheriff said, y'all can't use the courthouse. I said, well, we can't use it. We'll burn it down. (laughs) He said, nigga, our courthouse is fireproof. I said, then we'll blow that motherfucker up. (laughs) And so we changed the attitude. We got more militant and more militant brothers began to come around Black Power and the march began to get much, very militant. Mm-hmm. And then on the march, uh, Stokely uh, told me, to get these white folks off tell them to go home, go organize in the white community. So we ran the white people off to march. So we had Martin King there, and SNCC was, uh, Mississippi was the area that SNCC had organized in. And when Dr. King came there, he was coming into SNCC territory. Mm-hmm. And matter of fact, Stokely told him the first day that when we march to Mississippi, this is SNCC territory and we won't be nonviolent. Mm-hmm. And so Roy Wilkins, the head of the NAACP and Whitney Young, mm-hmm. they pulled out and mm-hmm. said they didn't want to do it. But the first day Stoker got in fact with a state trooper and Dr. King broke it up and mm-hmm. whatever. And then as we went down through Mississippi, we were black power and dominating Dr. King. And we took Dr. King uh, through them cotton fields and all down through there, mm-hmm. uh, gave him this experience and some work that he'd never seen before. Mm-hmm. And that uh, he began to have a lot of respect for me, but a lot of fear of me because he felt that I was always organized and got young people ready to throw bricks and balls and, and what have you. And so he always tried to keep me near him. We're like when they get ready to have lunch, uh, bring Rick's with you. Bring Mister Rick with you. do <laughs> so like I, I, I end up getting a lot of meals. eating with Dr. King and, <laughs> when yeah. the community would cook. Yeah. But when we went through Mississippi, we were had to fight on many occasions. And when Dr. King tried to go out and organize, he had a march in Philadelphia, Mississippi, the town where they had killed Chaney, Swan, and Goodman. Mm-hmm. And Sheriff Rainey knows uh, ran a, a truck right through the march yeah, and that yeah. night they came down in the black community and they tried to start shooting but our people started shooting back. Mm-hmm. Ralph mm-hmm. Featherstone, I don't know if you heard the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the brother that was blown up in Bel Air, Maryland mm-hmm. and that uh, him and, uh, he was organizing that at that time and they shot back and a deputy sheriff got killed. Mm-hmm. And that night uh, in, in Yazoo City, Dr. King had asked me because, the young people were military and they were leaning toward me, I was the main speaker, yeah. because I had to be the spokesman for John Lewis, for Stokely, for Rap, for Foreman, all of them. They were college brothers and sisters, but and that they could talk and they are very intellectual and what have you, but they couldn't get on a truck and rouse people up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anytime the snick needed somebody to rouse people up. I was called to all these areas to go to these different towns. So that put me on the stage with Dr. King and all the speakers Mm -hmm. because I could get up there and rouse people up just like Martin could, or even better.
2: Sounds like you still can, brother. I mean, that was that's, so. We're gonna take our first break. I want to stop you there. The
0: original riot starter. Uh, exactly, exactly. <laughs>
2: when we come back, we're gonna get deeper into SNCC because I think you know they have an incredible organizing yeah. history and all the names and stuff that you've mentioned. we want to get College. into the Free to the whole uh, Yeah, we're gonna get into yeah. the split that happened with Stokely and and um, and and uh, and. and um, John Lewis, and then we want to talk later on about the sort of the combining briefly of the Panthers and Snake, because I don't think people would know that history enough too. So we're gonna come back on on Renegade Culture. Renegade Culture, Black Black Power, power. Black Power.
1: Good. What up? Renegade culture. We're in the building, Black Power Media. You. True, you know what I'm saying? true. Understand that because of the fact, for those of you that don't know, the media company we rock with is BPM Black Power Media, mm-hmm. and we honored to have Mr. Black Power up on Black Power Media <laughs> today. <the> <laughs> you know what I'm Black saying? Power. Mukasa Dada. Um, definitely, man, I appreciate you because of the fact that when I first got to Atlanta, you was one of the first people that showed me love when we got here. The first joint we did was Poets for Political Prisoners, and the first lecture I actually did mm-hmm. was with Baba Mukasa over at uh, Auburn Avenue Research Library. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And out the gate, it, it, was, it was always, whenever I called them, whether we doing rallies, whether we're doing uh, lectures, events, eating some food, you know what I'm saying? As long as, there, as long as there's some Africans in the house, he' gonna he be there. there. <laughs> and there was some African sisters there. Mother Africa gonna be treated right first. <laughs> so anyway, glad to see you, man. So, um, yeah. So you, we was talking about uh, Snick, and we was talking about lounge County. First and foremost, I gotta commend you because and, and say that like a lot. Of, a lot of times in, the, in this new era, folks be talking about, "Ah, oh, we're not our grandparents." Maybe your grandparents were suckers. Well, I know with folks like y'all. I mean, y'all was actually organizing in places that to this day give me goosebumps. When you talk about Mississippi and Lowndes County, Alabama, when you talk about organizing in Alabama, Louisiana, and Mississippi, Mm. you can organize any damn way on the planet. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? Especially in the middle of that heat. Y'all was out there when them crackers was really turned up. Mm. They turned up now, but they wasn't nothing to play with back then. And y'all was out there, so definitely salute for that because of the fact that organizers today really don't know what organizing is well, that's you ain't truth. do that yeah. right there.
2: Yeah, people yeah. don't know how to hit the ground. How to like, you, know, you guys have such an incredible history of like hitting the ground, living with people, organizing people, taking people where they're at and moving them politically. So let's talk a little bit about who you are, your background, um, because you know, it's important sort of to establish. You were raised in Alabama. Tell us a little bit about your family history.
0: Well, my family was raised in North Alabama in an area called Rixis. All the white folk named Rick's, all the black folk named Rick's, and we know that we were bought, off, bought from Jamestown, Virginia, and Carrot to okay. North Alabama to pick cotton and work in that area. And and uh, when I was a young man, I used to go to Alabama and chop cotton and make $3 a day, work from 6 in the morning, 6 at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd act to say from can to can can't see in the morning till you can see at night. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did that, And but I, that was my experience in that. And then my mama said she worked for a quarter day. And then my great granddaddy lived in Georgia, but him and his twin brother did cause was fighting white people and that they had to jump in the river and swim across the river. That's how they got away from the white people. Mm. And they made it to North Alabama wow. and changed their name, went on a native Indian reservation and uh, and survived and created a family. And then uh, my mama had an alien name. She never told us to uh, later it along in life, she told, we get found out about it. Mm-hmm. And then she um, housed the civil rights people from Stokely to Rapp to Cleese Sellers to Black Panthers and all of them could come to the house and need a place to stay, eat. She f- mm-hmm. uh, used our house to do that and encouraged me to go and get involved in the city and movement and civil rights movement. And many threats were made on her life, on mm. my family's life, on crosses, and that kind of thing.
2: And that's, is that what got you sort of politicized? Was that those experiences?
0: Uh, I didn't, I don't know exactly, but I uh, was a young man and did what young people do. Yeah. And then um, I had quit school in the seventh grade. I went to the pool halls. Mm. and. Went to the streets and what have you, and then by 1960, after my experience, hanging out in schools and stuff, uh, doing whatever I, I wanted to do. Uh, the city movement kicked off, and then my sister got involved in it immediately, and I immediately got involved, got involved in, it and encouraged people to come march with us and demonstrate. And we went downtown in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Had a city in, and we were beat up. or Had to fight our way out of there, and and we fought and threw bricks and balls and whatever. Mm -hmm. And then the next day, we brought a thousand people down and more, and turned the whole school out and half the city, and went down and had a big riot, big rebellion. And that once we had that rebellion, it got national attention because it was the first. Rebellion in the civil rights movement, mm-hmm. nonviolent movement. But we fought and didn't know nothing about nonviolent. And that's when, <laughs> and that's when CT, <clears throat> Vivian, yeah. and SELC people and these people they came, taught us about nonviolence and had us to let <laughs> them hit us in the face, spit on us, and say this is what you have to take off these white people. And uh, I didn't believe, didn't know nothing about it. And that uh, I asked the nonviolent guy let me hit him. And I hit him in the jaw. And from that day on, I wouldn't carry nonviolence to Birmingham and throughout mm-hmm. the South. Mm-hmm. And the nonviolent people had a lot of courage, yeah. and they were some brave people because they faced dogs, bombs, and everything else. And they would turn out. What what we were doing, it would turn in the whole city out, and dis- and bring bring disruption to the whole city, mass jail, and beating even face death, they put bombs in our churches like they did in Birmingham. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So we were facing death to do that and try to register people to vote and all those kinds of things. But uh, I got involved in that. And once we had a rebellion in Chattanooga, uh, C.T. Vivian and no say, well, a youth organizations being formed? And when the youth organization being formed, Dr. King and them said that they didn't want me in their organization, but they called uh, uh, Jim Foreman and Ruby Dodge Robinson, and Ella Baker, and said we got this extreme Millison brother up here, <laughs> and that uh, and Snick was being formed, They said come on, and that's when I went there. I went there on the recommendation of King and mm. CT Vivian and whatever. So that put me on a different little stage. Yeah, everybody yeah. had respect for me from the recommendation that I had got from there. But I was just in the movement and and uh, just a young man mm-hmm. that uh, when time came. I found myself in the movement. So when we started sitting in in the movement, we sit in, we had rebellion. And once we had rebellion, um, hundreds of people came out. And then it broke down to a few people. And before you know it, we had 20, 30 people that would just demonstrate every day. And I was the one that kept it going. Mm -hmm. And then I was uh, put in jail over and over again. And then uh, they burnt cross in my yard.
2: Do you even remember how many times you were locked up?
0: Oh. 20, 30 times. Mm-hmm. I remember time, but all over the place. Mm-hmm. I used to go to jail, get out, go back
3: mm-hmm. and whatever.
0: And they bring crosses in my yard. Uh, they used to call my mom and threaten her. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, Al Gore's daddy, Albert Gore,
1: mm-hmm. was
0: a senator. Yeah. He used to call my house and tell my mom what they were gonna do if they didn't stop me from being in the movement mm-hmm. and whatever. They put my picture all up in the mountains of uh, Tennessee Mm -hmm. Uh, And they saw me as this extreme militant person Mm -hmm. in this area. And so uh, I just stayed involved and continued to be involved. And SNCC called, and I found myself uh, in Albany, Georgia, Mm and Lee County, Georgia. In Lee County, Georgia, uh, uh, we tried to register people to vote. uh, When we tried to register people to vote, they uh, machine gunned Mr. James' house. Mm-hmm. They uh, burnt down the church, We used to, street churches that we used to meet in, one on the Lee County Highway on 95 and right outside of uh, Liston, in Leesboro, mm-hmm. one in Sassa, Georgia. And uh, we would organize in Dawson, they would try to take people to register vote. They would throw dynamite on our porch mm-hmm. and then sometimes they would come by and machine gun the house and uh, one of the snake people got shot. So we faced all that, but not only that in, in Georgia here, but we were also facing the same thing in Alabama, mm-hmm. uh, Terrorists we were also facing the same thing in Mississippi, where they were machine gunning us, uh, burning down our churches, burning down our meeting places, putting us in jail. And we, at any given time, SNCC had 200 people demonstrating across the South, uh, yeah. At the same yeah.
2: day. I want to. I want to quickly. I'm sorry, I want to quickly talk. To, ask you though about because um, you know last year John Lewis passed away, mm-hmm. and N-C-T-V-V. and 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 in particular at John Lewis's funeral, Bill Clinton got up and talked about how um, you know we were ready for uh, that. You know John Lewis was was the man, and at one point there seemed to be too much too much Stokely but he glad that John Lewis, you know, became the man or whatever like that. So is an important phase in, in SNCC's public history again, mm. was the vote for against, uh, or the vote in terms of who would be the leader of SNCC mm-hmm. between John Lewis and Stokely Carmichael. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about what that time was like for SNCC in terms of choosing a more overt militant leader Um, as opposed to John Lewis, who sort of was more seen as like a a young uh, Dr. King, as opposed to Stokely, who was kind of seen as a young Malcolm X, right?
0: Yeah, when we first started out to be nonviolent and and, and to have love for our enemies and and, and those kinds of things, pray for them and what have you, that was a norm and a very militant thing to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, But as time went on, John Lewis, at some point, at the most militant organization and chaired uh, the most militant organization. Now before John Lewis, you had Marion Barry and, the, uh, and a, another a couple other chairmen, and then John Lewis came in 1963. And one of the things is, Snick, our chairmen lasted for one year and then we would change. Mm-hmm. But John Lewis happened to slip by for two years, mm-hmm. and that uh, he was good at that time, and that uh, but as we went on, John began to hold on to the nonviolence and, and very peaceful kind of guy. And that uh, by, after we had uh, went into kind County, Alabama, picked up guns and fought, we had sneak used nonviolence as a tactic where Martinum saw it as a principle. Mm-hmm. So we could change. So when we go out there and take it nonviolence, the other crackers slap us or hit us, and we would take it but if he hit too hard or too many times, we kick his ass. Or if he follows us around the corner, we fuck him up and there's no part about it. And at the same time, a lot of sneak people carry guns. Mm-hmm. So when they came and uh, started shooting at us, we would shoot back, uh, be ready to shoot back. And some people would not give up their guns. And then after John was chairman for two years, we had put together the Black Panther Party. We had the Deacons for Defense in uh, Bogalusa, Louisiana, uh, and other uh, milit- very militant movement. We was in confrontation all the time. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we, it, after that point, we came to a point that, John, uh, you no longer represent our views because we are more militant than that. We are for more of a, a, a stronger stand, and we don't need uh, somebody that's imitating Dr. King. And that we told John we voted John out. Matter of fact, I chaired the meeting, and we voted John out when John was getting ready to get voted out. Everybody got up and started criticizing, calling him weak and whatever. Hmm. And John turned <coughs> to me. And he said, "Ricks, Ricks, help me, help <coughs> me do something." I said, "He John used to like to say, if you pull, if you see me in a fight with a bad pole honey on me, I said, brother, I don't have nothing but honey for you tonight." <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> So John John was voted out and Stokely uh, at that time was voted in and they tried to say that uh, he was coup d'etat and all that, Mm -hmm. but his time had just ran out and that uh, we had changed or come to another stage and we immediately, shortly after that was in May, uh, May 15, something like that. And then by June 5th, we were on the Black Power March and taking the movement to a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. And when Stoke was voted in, we had already hit them with the Black Power, Black Panthers, and then we hit with Black Power. When we hit with Black Power, we started talking about Black Power, and then uh, we faced a lot of violence on that march, but it shocked the whole world because they bombed us when Dr. King was, uh, he, they pushed Dr. gasto Milita. Mm-hmm. Dr. King tried to back out of Black Power, and tried to distance himself for it. When he was in Yazoo City, uh, I was supposed to introduce him that night. He was going to introduce me, but then he bagged off of it. And because of, uh, uh, of some violence that had happened in Philadelphia, we shot back. And I said, "That's black power." Mm-hmm. When the white folks came in our neighborhood and tried to shoot it up, and we shot back, that's black power. And Dr. King got up to the meeting after me, after I spoke. And I would always speak on the program with Martin. He got up and said, we don't need no black, white power. We don't need no red power. We don't need no uh, uh, different black color power. Then he got to black power. We had our people right in his face, black power, (laughs) black (laughs) power. And then he even said, ain't nobody going to make me act like George Wallace. Ain't nobody going to make me act like the Ku Klux Klan. Ain't nobody going to make me act like Hitler. We don't need black power. We just need black power, black power. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, Martin, we, we were, it was clear that it was two different forces. Mm-hmm. And then he had uh, a traitor like Andrew Young mm-hmm. right there with him, pulling him to the right mm-hmm. and saying, you gotta be against black power. And it had clearly showed that he worked for the police department. No In Montgomery, when uh, we had a march from Alabama State, uh, they ran, they ran horses over us just like they did John and Selma. Mm-hmm. And when they ran the horses over us and they hurt children and people and I was on top of a car making a speech calling the president of the United States a liar, murderer or whatever mm-hmm. and that, uh, and the people were around it just running back from being beaten and stuff and I was on top of the car talking to them and, uh, Come around and looked up here. Andrew Young come around the corner with over 50 police hmm. saying, Willie Ricks, break this up. This <laughs> is against the law. And they rushed the march and people had to scatter again. But Andrew showed himself clearly to work with the government, work with the police, work with the FBI department and whatever. And that's who he's always been. That's why he became mayor. That's mm-hmm. why he warned mm-hmm. him. As the ambassador, that's yeah. why he, any time the white people in trouble, mm-hmm. they call Andrew Young. Mm-hmm, so Martin right. has them kind of people around him, mm-hmm. and they weaken him. But when
2: let me stop. Well, let, me, let me stop you there because we we got to take a break and when we come back. We want to finish this story <sighs> okay. and then talk a little bit more about the history of Stick and the Black Panthers and, on, okay,
1: and yeah. also get into some of the international pieces because you yes. got no interesting pieces gone. in regards to EDI uh, mean and a number of oh, other people. Oh, that's we're right. That's up. right. So, so we hear all that. No doubt. Renegade Coach. Renegade as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Black power. Tab the renegade coaches in the building. That's yeah. right. We back on the air, man. And what what what, what station we rock with? Black Power Media. Black Power Media. Who we so, got with us tonight? We got Brother Mukasa Dada. Yeah, we talk about Black Power. We're going to talk about Black Power. We bring yeah, Black, Black Power, Power. <laughs> Black Power. Bring right. Black to man. the Black Power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, man, I, I'm, I'm like trying to figure out where to jump in right now because <laughs> of the fact that we got so much to talk about and so little time. We might have to extend this joint a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? The Air Doctor <laughs> might be mad, but we might just have to do that. <laughs> um, first and foremost, we, right, we, now. We, 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 we talked about SNCC. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you talked about you getting involved, so on and so forth. Um, moving forward. Mm. What was SNCC's role? Because of the fact that we know that a lot of different members from SNCC ended up in uh, organizing with the Black Panther Party of, uh, of California, of Oakland. Mm. Can you speak to that? Like, how, how did that go about? And, and, and there was a merger at one point.
0: Okay. I'll go to this. Let me just go to two things. Okay. First, uh, when we were on the Black Power March, mm-hmm. we got to Canton, Mississippi, and that uh, there was a little friction here, and Dr. King, we were all on top of a truck getting ready to make a speech, and the masses of the people had gathered around in the schoolyard, and we were getting ready to make the speech, Dr. King was on top of the truck, Stokely, uh, Floyd McKissick, uh, Hosea, and myself was on top of the truck, and. We were getting ready to make our speech, and we looked up. State troopers had surrounded the whole park in gear. And Dr. King said, uh, immediately called the meeting and said, on the truck, look, we, we may get hurt, we may get killed, whatever happened, but we don't need everybody to go to jail. He said, Jose, you and Willie Ricks, uh, we are signing y'all to get off this truck and fall back, and don't y'all go to jail, get hurt, and if we get hurt, we all have to take our place. So they appointed me and Hosea to take the leadership if Dr. King, Stokely, or Floyd McKissick got hurt, or went to jail, or got killed. Mm-hmm. And that, that was a high position, to even when I think about it. And then they shot the gas and, and uh, hit the truck real hard, and Dr. King ended up falling off the truck, Stokely fell off, and you can see a picture of me going, and they shot gas, everybody was hurt out there. A lot of gas, and and I ran back in there into the march and picked up Stokely and Dr. King. It's a picture of me carrying both of them, and Stokely told me, "Say lighten up on Martin. He really trying. He trying to hang with us." And that uh, at that point we did, and then uh, but Dr. King was trying, and that at that right after the end, everybody was saying, "What is this Black Power?" Because Black Power shook up the world, mm-hmm. and then everybody was saying, "What is this Black Power?" And the people in Detroit defined the black power when they went out and, and uh, started burning down the cities and, and they were black power and 30, 40, 50 people laying in the streets dead, 20,000 people they browned up, put in prison, whatever. And all the cities began to burn down and uh, black power and dead bodies laying everywhere. They bought truth back from uh, 82nd, back and laying them in Detroit and other cities to fight and shoot and kill us. They had, orders to shoot to kill, but the cry was black power, black power, we need black power. And we said black power, black power brought on a whole nother attitude and a consciousness. And people began to say black is beautiful, uh, we need power, we need black power. And that uh, at that time, when we talked about black power, we were talking about power for black people. And at that time also, when they killed my friend, Sammy Young Jr., who worked with SNCC, went into a bathroom in Tuskegee, Alabama, and caused a sign on and said, white only at a Greyhound bus station, uh, at a gas station too, uh, the to crack, uh, 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 how you say Sigmund, shot him in the head with a shotgun on January the 3rd, and then SNCC immediately had a meeting saying, we are uh, if you can, can go into the Army, be in the Navy, come back to the United States, can't piss where a white man pissed, we opposed the war in Vietnam. And then we called on people to protest the war in Vietnam. And uh, we put thousands of people in the streets against the war in Vietnam. Julian Bond was at that meeting. He was, had been elected state, Senate, state representative. And they asked him, you agree with that? He said, yes and they expelled him from the state senate, mm. and that created another movement. But now you have black power, you have cities burning down, and all the civil rights people spoke out against it, and Martin spoke out against it at first, and the police department started praising him. And I went to Martin and said, look, Martin, they are praising you. You can't speak out against black people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then Martin came and wrote his book, and he began to condemn the United States, and talk about the United States with the perpetrator of violence and whatever. We came out against the Vietnam War March 6, uh, January the 6th, and Dr. King ended up coming out against it uh, 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 the 4th of April, 1967, April 4th. And what they would do, we forced him to do it. He had no choice but to speak out because you had thousands and millions of people out saying hell no, we won't go and stop the war. And when Dr. King was forced to speak out against the war on April 7, he took a position, a strong position. The United States government, FBI, had a policy that what they do around the world, if you do something great and good, they kill you or destroy you on that anniversary. So on the anniversary of Dr. King speaking out against the war in Vietnam, April 4th, they shot him on April 4th. One year later. One year later, and about two months before they killed him, I was on uh, uh, February the 7th. I was in Dr. King's house because he had told me that any time you want some clothes, I'll come to your house. and you ain't got many clothes. I say I have plenty of people give them to me. So if you want some clothes, come to my house. You can get it. I went over there one night to get the clothes, some clothes. Martin, I need some clothes. I got something to do tonight. And I was over there getting some clothes, and I was in his bedroom, and I turned to Martin and said, Martin, they have to get you. Stokely said it to me. I said to Martin, Martin, they have to get you. FBI, police, whoever, they out to get you. He said, who is they? I said, I don't know, but they out to get you. And that you don't I think told him not he believed,
2: that, he didn't believe?
0: He didn't know, he just, uh, said, he just said, who is they? Because mm-hmm. Dr. King had become very paranoid of the Black Power Movement and the Black National Movement also, yeah, 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 yeah. because the Black Power Movement was interrupting whatever he marched, it just took one brick uh, 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 one uh, over at of police, and they would beat everybody in the crowd, including King.
2: Let me stop you because I want to get back to Kalanji's question because we have a limited amount of time. I want to uh, I- talk about a little bit the Panthers and the Stick merger. Because well, what uh, Snake
0: would do yeah. is again, they would organize local groups, and everywhere Snake would go, they would organize organization. And that organization, if you go to Albany, organize Albany, get executive staff, this is your organization, we advise you. And go to Mississippi, Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party, Fannie Lou Heyman, all the people that we organize, y'all in charge of y'all executive, we're the advisors. In Birmingham, everywhere SNCC go, they create a local organization, went to Lowndes County Alabama, create the Lowndes County Freedom Organization. We were not in it, but we advised it and worked with it. And then when uh, here, when we did that in Lowndes County, here in Newton, them called us and the other groups called from different areas said, we want to be Black Panther. We like y'all, y'all influence us with guns, go, you're looking good. Mm-hmm. And we told them, come, you can be Black Panther. We let them come in our office, let them use our machinery, help put them out there. Uh, at that time, the only people that would speak up for the cities that were burning down was Stokely, Rap, and Snick people, Jim Foreman, SNCC people. Mm-hmm. And that we let them put uh, our name on their organization. And when they went in there with guns and had Stokely, Carmichael, Rap Brown, and Foreman's name on their organization, then that gave them international attention. And the cities burned. That's what they, uh, we were spoken for, and they considered us as burning down. City. As a matter of fact, Martin, I always thought that whatever city burnt down that I had been in the city. He died thinking that I started all the rebellions. Uh, so then, once all the rebellion and the Black Panthers, we brought them in, let them do it, and we gave it to them, So this is your organization. And we used our name, And remember Stoke, the rap, and all them, they were SNCC. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used, put our name on the organization, and they were honorary chairman, honorary minister of def- uh, defense, I think, and and, whatever, foreign international, whatever, who were just honorary. Mm -hmm. But our organization, the base organization was SNCC. And at a point, we associated with them And after a while, we broke away from and said, you got it on your own because one of the things that they wanted to do is bring white people back in the organization. And we had expelled them out of our community and they united with the Peace and Freedom Party and the Freedom and Peace Party because they wanted to build a movement to get Hugh Newton out of jail. Mm -hmm. And we said that wasn't the most important thing. And we wanted, we pushed it more toward black nationalism and nationalism. Mm -hmm. And then when the city started burning down black power, now we come to link up, we spoke out for the Palestinians uh, uh, against Zionism, and we spoke out against them attacking Egypt, and then we f- linked up with Ho Chi Minh, took people to Viet- to Vietnam, mm-hmm. and said we negotiated with uh, Ho Chi Minh and told Ho Chi Minh we want to come and fight on the street. Ho Chi Minh said, no, this is not your fight. Mm-hmm. Your fight is Africa, mm-hmm. and he pointed us toward Africa, and come to know Ho Chi Minh, was also a follower of Marcus Mm Godwin, and inspired mm -hmm. by Marcus Mm Godwin. And then when Ho Chi Minh pointed us toward Africa, Stokely now go to uh, um, Africa and join in with Kwame Nkrumah and Sekou Toure, but at the same time, in 1965, John Lewis, Nick, John Lewis, Jim Foreman, mm-hmm. myself, and others, went to the South African embassy in 1965, kicked their door down in, at the United at the embassy, and went in there and kicked their ass. We whooped their ass, mm-hmm. <laughs> all of them, all of them. So we, sneakers, whooped their ass, we whooped their ass and said, we demand the freedom of our people in South Africa. Mm-hmm. That includes Mandela, Robert Sobukwe, and other, uh, freedom fighters in South Africa. And we did that, now we linked into, led us right into the movement with Angola, Mozambique, Zimbabwe, and uh, Guinea-Bissau, and other liberation movements. Mm -hmm. We joined, now we join in and start speaking up for them, becoming their spokesman, sending them materials, and whatever, and even some going there and helping fighting. And we also joined in with Nicaragua, the Sandinistas, Mm -hmm. and El Salvador, Guatemala, uh, joined in with uh, other movements around the world that was fighting against the United States, and SNCC and the Black Power Movement helped Vietnam defeat the United States. Mm-hmm. We'd say, "Well, you burn, you whip them in Vietnam. We'll we burn the up. cities down <laughs> right here." So people, sometimes yeah. they had to bring their troops back to face us yeah, yeah. in the streets, and we were their spokesman. So people
2: don't realize the history, the anti imperialist history that that That's the right. movements of the '60s had that yeah. made them so powerful and such a threat, because as opposed to integrating within the United States system. The, the the organizers and radicals and revolutionaries of that time became the folks who were saying, We were in the belly of the beast, we will fight the beast here, of and course. you will fight there, but we are united in struggle, which is something activists and organizers just don't get today. Like, and that, absolutely. Right. And
0: yeah. We joined in with Castro, Fidel Castro. We started going into Cuba, uh, getting advice and training. Some people getting training in terms of explosives. Don't, don't talk about too much now. Don't talk about too much. We, and, and all kinds that of other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Some people were getting yeah. trained and going there. We joined in with El Salvador and those other people mm-hmm. and other movements around the world. And we were anti-imperialism yes. and we began to talk about uh, Pan-Africanism and Marcus Garvey now become a main force. Patricia Lumuma and Malcolm, he explained the way he gave us, uh, uh, when they killed him, Malcolm was weak and not known before they killed him. Hmm. And then when they killed him, we passed out tapes and put them underground, have everybody listen to tapes on Malcolm. To Malcolm became the most known brother and the spokesman and the guide for the movement. And then we began to look at other liberation movements around the world. Patrice Lumumba in the Congo became a major hero. We saw the crimes of the United States government there, and then we just began to expose the government and began to see and make our movement. So we helped. Liberated Angola, Mozambique, Zimbabwe, and other uh, nations in the world. Uh, we, uh, matter of fact, Mao Zedong. We used to use the red book teach teach uh, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. street brothers how to read and mm-hmm. bring them in, and they learned how to read the little red book and the principles of the red book and whatever. Looking up to Mao Zedong and whatever and whatever, and you know, we began to talk about uh, Africa and talk to tell people they were Africans. And that was a major, one telling people they were black was a battle, and then uh, telling people they were Africans and I started pushing Africa so hard that everybody named me Africa. Everywhere I would go, it's still now. Yeah. Hey, African, hey, African, and whatever. But I was telling people that were African and Africa was a shock mm-hmm. to a lot of people. We did that and then we would tell them about the great Africa and talk mm-hmm. about the you know, richest land in the world, diamonds, gold, yeah, yeah. oil, rubber, zinc, and whatever. And then talk about Ghana, Mali, Sungai, yeah. Zimbabwe, and just all that kind of education we gave now we,
2: people. Now we gotta wrap up soon, but you have, there's one, interesting story about how you got your name, I think y'all were alluding to earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. So we want you to tell folks about how you got the name Mukasa.
0: Well, I was a guest of A. a, a, a I was in the All African People's Revolutionary Party. Mm-hmm. And we were invited by Idi Amin to come to Uganda. And we went to Guinea with Sega Toure and uh, went with Miramakeem and Sega Toure. And we also was in Liberia and uh, saker Toure Said Mukasa, I hear that you have a thing about the movement in the Congo. I want you to go out there and hang out with some of his people. So they made contact with Lamumba's family and friends, mm. and I went out and hung out with some of the uh folks, and I stayed in the Guinea Embassy, uh, and then uh, I went on a, 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 a diplomatic mission for Secretary of Guinea, President Secretary of Guinea, put me on a diplomatic thing in Guinea to go to Uganda and invite it the president Idi Amin to come to you to guinea mm-hmm. and that uh, so where i was there i got a chance to uh, uh hang out with Idi Amin uh mm-hmm. when he uh, uh came back to the country he allowed me to walk next to him and inspect the troops all the troops had to do that mm-hmm. to me and whatever and then at night he would bring I he picked me up in uh on in the helicopters army helicopter army planes and take us different places and whatever and that uh so anyway, I was able to do a lot what I mean and I was in the newspaper head last yeah, day yeah see what I mean and then i had me speaking in the schools and college and whatever and one night we had all the generals all the uh officers there and me and stoker and uh, was there and that uh I was we were speaking and I got up and started speaking and talking about Africa and talking about revolution and talking about victory. And one that's so jumped up and said, Mukasa, what's, what, what's your name, young man? I said, Willie Rex, Willie Rex. He said, there ain't no African name. My <laughs> name is Mukasa. And all of them started saying, Mukasa, Mukasa. So what does Mukasa mean? It means God of the water. Yeah, and he said, right. Mukasa. And I've been Mukasa ever since. Oh, and then he, I mean, heard about it, told him about it, and he uh, uh, laughed and told me, "Your name is Mukasa," and said, uh, "Mukasa, we want y'all to always come home to Africa, mm-hmm. get your politics, and then go abroad." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and we so, want to,
2: we want to thank, we want to uh, stop there and thank you no so much for coming, man. This no has been in, in any, you know, if, in any fair world, a world in which Africans really knew who we were as a people, you know, you would never have to go anywhere without being shown love and privilege and insight. You are a true hero of our experience. Uh and we are so honored to have you here, brother. So uh, thank you for coming. Love you, man.
1: Love you
0: and thank y'all for inviting me here and I'm honored to be here with everybody and Africa must unite.
1: Amen. Uh, yeah. I think before you go, I think all of us need to uh, you need to lead the chant of Black Power so we can do this. Black Power. Black, black Power.
3: Black Power. Black
1: Power. Black Power. Black Power. Black Power. Power. Yeah. Yeah. Hold tight. What's happening, man? Renegade coaches in the building. Jose. Live and direct. After another great show, of course. Show, Mukasa, Donna in the man, building. Man. What Whoa, a legend, man. No doubt, no doubt. Only, only at Renegade Coaching can you get some of the heaviest heavyweights. Mm-hmm. Some of you, some that you know, and some that you don't know, but you know they work by default. Yeah. You know what I mean, so definitely glad to see Mukasa again. Um, while we was rocking with Mukasa, our uh, next guest came through kicking <laughs> <Biggest laughs> stuff down, throwing stuff. You know what I'm saying? What the mobile clock? So there's a part of the interview. You hear like a phone going off yeah. or something like that. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? And then they gonna look over at me like fuck your chair.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Y'all need to get this fixed. He's like, uh, Try but anyway, yeah, without further
1: ado, yes. we
2: got recording artists. I mean uh uh Minister Service is gonna give you a bio real quick. Uh, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Who we got here?
1: Hey yo, we got my man Red Fidel, he's a hip-hop artist out of uh, Miami, Florida,
0: mm-hmm. rocking out of the ATL. Yo, he's been around for a while, doing a few things. Uh, back in, in 96, he'd been doing this thing up, up until the day in 2001. He was featured on CeeLo's uh, first album. Uh, he's a speaker, he's an entrepreneur. He's pioneering what we call adult contemporary hip-hop music. So without any further ado, let me give it up for my man,
1: Red Fidel. Red, No doubt. Yes, yes. Definitely, man. So, Red Fidel. Mm-hmm. Tell me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, five 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 is the latest album. No doubt. Yes, it Tell us what, that, what that's about because we know that Jay Z had the four 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 and it was a dope contemporary. So then you, know, you came with five five five. Next level. Where Beyonce at?
3: <laughs> I got Beyonce. Okay. <laughs> hey, but uh, on the real now, it's funny you mentioned Jay Z because that actually was that actually was my inspiration. I kind of was like, okay, he did four four four. I want to take it a step up. So, uh, in actuality, numerically, the step up would be the next number five. But once I did 555 five, five and started doing the numerology on it, it just all fell in place with ascension, manifestation, everything. Uh, five, me being in a number of change and from a spiritual universal's place. So it was like very appropriate for me to actually name the album that because I felt like what I was doing was that next level. And then, especially with me spearheading and then with this movement of adult contemporary hip hop. Because this album was like that, but he, it didn't have the genre heading on it. I'm actually giving it a name, giving it a movement, and giving it a wave. so. So what, what is what is adult contemporary hip-hop then adult contemporary hip-hop is basically hip-hop music that meets the adult listener where we at right now mm-hmm. i feel like a lot of music especially from the hip-hop and rap space uh still appeals to the youth and uh the youth genre from a mainstream standpoint of course you know there are artists out there that aren't so known that you know still continue to do music but i feel like there's a place for adult contemporary hip-hop even on a mainstream level mm-hmm. something to actually add a balance because i don't have no problem with what's now being out there, but at the same time, everything is a balance. You know, you know, disease is a result of an imbalance. So the dis-ease that you hear from an audible standpoint and from a musical standpoint is the void of this right here. Adult, because it's inevitable. If you did music when you was younger, these rap artists, they're going to become older. So right. are you going to keep doing young music, or you, it's inevitable? You got to see me. You got to. You're going to become an adult, and hence the term adult contemporary. You're going to have to transition your music into something that meets you where you at, because life is growth, and growth is life.
1: You know, I can appreciate that. You know what I mean? Because of the fact that, yeah, we grew up in hip hop. Indeed. We watched hip hop. Indeed. We watched hip hop grow up. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it, it, it's sad to see a lot of cats our age and older mimicking the teens. For you sure. You know what I'm saying? For sure. I can't. I can't walk around with with Slim. Uh, part of my English, nut huggers. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) It's just not my (laughs) my thing. You know what I'm saying? With the little t-shirts and all that. You know what I'm saying? Because we grown. I can't have my pants hanging off my ass. I ain't knocking nobody else to do it. But I'm 50. And I don't think, you know what I'm saying, my my woman wants to see me with my drawers hanging (laughs) out. You know what I'm saying? So I'm glad that you coming along with that because of the fact that that shows growth as well. Um, So the whole, you know, how long you been in this thing? I know that my man talked about uh, you had a track with CeeLo. I know you have a track with with Stick on a new joint or whatever. Um, and and I'm sure you've been in this for a while. But how long you been into hip hop itself as far as an artist? Uh, man, I'm. You say you're 50. I'm 48.
3: I'll be 49 in June next month. Okay. So uh, I've been doing. I, re, I did my first record. I've always been. I was born into hip hop, but I actually got into our form, seriously, when I was like 15. I made my first record in Miami when I was like 15. Okay. And I never looked back from that point. So I've always had a thirst and an affinity for hip hop. It was just something that I just was, uh, I'm, spiritually, I'm a griot. So, you know, it just all fell into place with hip hop. So I've been doing this since 15 to 48, 49, so you do the math. It's been quite some yeah. time. And so I grew up in in all the facets of it from that point as far as, you know, the era would be considered the golden era for me in the 90s and all that. So I saw his transition. I saw his growth. I saw his progression and his regression, you know, such as, you know, life. But uh, it's been a long time man. it's been a long time. And I have had my moments where, you know, when you get older, you start getting into your early 30s. And like you said, you start seeing you start really wondering where your place is as a rapper. And it's because, you know, you got a rapper, you got an MC, you got an artist. You know what I'm saying? The artist kind of embodies both of the aforementioned. But then, you know, you start figuring out, trying to figure out where you fit into this because you're growing, you don't, especially if you take on the family. You know, like you mentioned, I can't have the nuthurgers on at 30 and 35. You know? <laughs> cool. Especially, I'm raising a son, I'm raising a daughter. Yeah. So it's like, where do I fit into this music? Mm. So it just, I just, but the love never goes away. It's a lot of artists. I started this journey with a lot of my friends and brothers who dropped music because they outgrew it. Mm-hmm. I never could outgrow it because if it's there and it's in you, that's what it is. Even mm-hmm. when if I put the mic down, that beat I might hear might inspire me. My pen might go to dancing on the paper. I can't mm-hmm. stop it. So how do I find a way to continue this art form without feeling like I'm really still stuck in the time warp? Because mm-hmm. you find a lot of artists, they, they kind of get subjected to that.
2: So really quick, we're going, we're going to go to a bold question real quick. Yeah. But I want, to get, uh, I want you to quickly tell us the origin of your name, uh, Red Fidel. How do you get yes. that?
3: Uh, man, it's funny, man, for a long time, and brother and, and, and minister server know me as this name. For a long time, I actually went by the name Jahala. A lot of people know me by Jahala. Jahala. Yeah, people know me by Jahala, and, um, and it's interesting because as I evolved, you know, a lot of times you take on different tones, names or tones, and, you know, vibratorily, as, as a man, I started to change, and I just felt like spirit was just telling me to... You know find something that was pretty much like more innocuous because mm-hmm. when you hit a name Jahala, some names carry like a certain connotation with it you when you heard Jahala, you know i was going to come with some conscience or something mm-hmm. you know in that round that line well you know i'm a man i fall short and sometimes i might want to talk about some but mm-hmm. sometimes i'm on such and such so i was trying to see where can i find or put myself into a space whereas you didn't know where I was gonna come from. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, And then growing up in Miami, my skin skin. complexion, they always called us red. What's up, red? Mm -hmm. So that was innocuous. And then I'm of Cuban descent. So Fidel came about because of my ide- my ideology, my mm-hmm. ideals, the person mm-hmm. I represent. is like my social you know what I'm saying, I'm very radical, I'm such and such. I am Jahala, Jahala is the, f- the Fidel side of it all. Mm-hmm. But Red kind of like is the f- out front man, you know, like I'm, yeah. you don't know where I'm going to like from. Detroit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Exactly, well, exactly, Red, you know we call him Beige
3: Kamal yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why you gotta that up in why you that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna let that go. I said, don't say a word. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Say we beige come out. We're going go on. on. <laughs> on. Oh, wow, man. Oh, wow. Ah, yeah. ah. <laughs> Motherfucker. I was like, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> they got me so I said I opened up the question. <laughs> okay, we got a bold question for you. Questions. I, I was like, let me <laughs> just get this goddamn <laughs> thing out the way. What so, is that we got, We got, what we do here is uh, called Knock is Nonsense. We got a little bold question, which I might yes. break after this is over. Okay. Um, so there's like a whole bunch of questions up in here. We only want you to pick one question, one question. no worry.
1: We want you to read it out loud and then give us an answer. If read that shit faster than how you talk, he'd be like, and then so on and so forth. Okay. <laughs>
3: That's the red part. Who would win versus between Tribe Called Quest versus Outkast? Outcast. Mm. Outkast. Okay. Okay. This man
1: said oh, outcast. Quickly, outcast. quickly he okay. said Outkast. You, you gotta, gotta, you gotta give a little explanation of <sighs> why on that one. Yeah.
3: Uh, I mean, is it really an explanation needed? Ooh. Wow. Yes. Whoa, whoa,
1: whoa. That's right. Yes. He <laughs> hey, hold on. Now, you, can't, you can't just throw a Tribe with <laughs> the bus. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. that, but you, you know what?
3: You, you don't like the lyrics as much as you like the production. The production of me, not, it, not tropical quest from, but now that would have said who was better producers. Then I had to take time. But from a lyrical standpoint, that's not even a question. I don't know. Fight yeah. was pretty dope. Fight was, was dope. But fight was yeah. dope. Fyfe I Fyfe think
1: was... fight was better. Fight was dope than, 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 than big boy. big boy. Yeah. The big boy. Yeah. Not
3: lyrically. No, not lyrical. Not lyrical. You think so? No. Not lyrically I, I remember fight. Fight was good, but fight was kind of like you know witty. Kind of he yeah, was witty. But if you you know I, as an artist, I look at it from different angles. He was kind of like, uh, and I hate to say this, but oh. it was kind of like it was. It was simple. It, had oh. a simple, it was kind of simple to it. Uh, it, 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 was, it was simple. It was simple. It was We're
2: going to see what Red Fidel can do and not keep it simple. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, like, I did. And that's no... That, Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop
1: That's my man.
3: That's my man. He's kind of simple. Fidel versus Spike. Boop, oh, oh, boop, oh, oh, boop, oh. boop. the Carvel to get a milkshake. Yeah. <laughs> Red Fidel, these out the renegade culture. Every now and then a person comes that says something beyond mankind's comprehension. When I think about it, I, I am that person to tap into another dimension. Professing to be the greatest, I am not, but professing to be great, I am. I am what I am. Another day, another dollar, money on my mind. Mind on the money, depending on the grind Will I win or will I lose, It's the question to be answered Failure's not an option, so I'm grinding till the mash is in this land of the free Home of the brave, native reservation, built by the slaves Africans and Nubians who massacred niggas Now we getting jury by money that glitters Like the treasures of the pharaohs and the gold of old fur. Catch me wearing anything less, no sir Damn right, I want that Bentley for my chariot With a hood full of horses running when I'm mashing it Inherently, I got a hunger for the finer things Plus a thirst for the power that the knowledge brings You can say that I'm vain, take the time to do the science Yet the truth still remains I'm a man of the word, I'm a sign of my times A tree's on the ground and my head's to the sky Got my ears tuned in with my eyes on God Third eye, seeing way past stars and my epistle is a pistol apostles are colossal so you better check your issues because i'm a spirit in the flesh living life to the best amen god bless lyrically on what they want with a chase of what they need many love to front themselves they hate to the be it's evident in the majority of what you see not to mention what you hear hope you heard me real clear Truth validates every word I bring forth The brightest star in the sky is what I reach for I done seen everything but wanna see more Blowing on a J looking down from a G4 I'm Elohim with the flow so there's none above me King aura head the to toe so the Queens love me Messiah Jeans in my bloodline No gang affiliation but I got Blood ties and I don't mean Red ragging throwing gang signs I'm talking revolutionaries of my Same kind And I might seem vain you can hate me Or adore me but the facts that remains I'm a man of my word Sign of the times my feet's on the Ground and my head's to the sky Got my ears tuned in with my eyes On God third eye open Seeing way past stars And my pistol is a pistol Apostles are colossal So you better check your issues Cause I'm a spirit in the flesh Living life to the best Amen, God bless what if you see me with some bling in my pinky ring? Plus a turban on my wrist, straight from Beijing. Design a shade on my eyes just to block the rays. Would you be hating on me bad enough to stop my days? I'm a human girl that's controlled by material things. Out of control by the hype that material brings. So staying grounded is a must do. Humility is a fire man must run through. That's food for thought for you to utilize the recipe. Do what you want with it, but listening, you better be. If something hinders you from doing so, then set it free. You be you, and I'll be me, and this is what I be. Ball head, but a roster without the main. Red Fidel picture me, but without the frame. And I know I sound vain, but I'm humble in my heart, and the fact still remains. I'm a man of my word, a sign of the times. My feet on the ground, and my head to the sky. Got my ears tuned in with my eyes on guard. Third eye open with past stars. And my epistle is a pistol. Apostles are colossal, so you better check your issues. Because I'm a spirit in the flesh, living life to the best. Amen. God bless.